Somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. Brooks Hall. The place hits it at the buzzer. The Dayton Flyers. Pandemonium in the Dayton Decibel Dungeon. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball. Always wearing red and being loud. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud. Good evening, good morning, good night, wherever and however you're listening to us. It is absolutely great to have you. Another hour of Dayton Flyers talk coming at you here, and I have a jam-packed show for you, even though it's an off week. Honestly, I kind of like the off weeks because they give me a chance to just relax a little bit. I only have to put out one show, so I have to make it a good show. So with that in mind, we have Keith Wallace-Kowski joining the program here, coming up in a little bit, uh, but there is news to discuss, there are developments, and wait for it, people, we have a new commitment for the Dayton Flyers. Yes, we have a new commitment for the Dayton Flyers, he goes by Mongolian Mike, I can't make this up, he goes by Mongolian Mike. Yeah, the Dayton Flyers yesterday were recording on Wednesday, December 15th, so yesterday, being the 14th, Dayton received a commitment. I'm not even going to say his name because I'm going to butcher it so bad. But we're going to call him Mongolian Mike. Huge get for the program. And honestly, it is a huge day for Mongolian basketball fans. So that's where I start tonight. Uh, today, as the commitment broke, the news broke that Dayton was getting a commitment indeed from a Mongolian that we will now forever call Mongolian Mike. I put on uh, my investigative hat and I started making some calls and some emails today. And what I received back was a phone call from the Mongolian consulate in San Francisco, California. I can't make this up. I would not lie to you, my listeners. And that phone call was from a very nice gentleman who um, I will I will wait to introduce him until we get a guest on the program. But basically, uh, this gentleman who worked for the Mongolian consulate could not have been nicer to me and basically was outlining the fact that Mongolian fans and fans of basketball are elated with the fact that they have their first D1 commit, and he's going to Dayton, and he assured me that there will be many Mongolian basketball fans that are now fans of our Dayton Flyers. Kind of an interesting note to start the show today. Um, you know, when I woke up this morning, I wasn't thinking to myself, I'm going to get in touch with the Mongolian consulate in San Francisco, but alas... My fair listeners, that is exactly how my day progressed. So uh, if you know anything about me, you know that I'm a bit of a geography nerd and I love my geography, geography fun facts. So let's do some Mongolian trivia right off the top. So if you're curious and you're asking yourself, Sully, I don't even know where Mongolia is. Just pick up a map and you will quickly find out that it's right between China and Russia and 
I'm going to list off some more fun facts for you. So I got to thinking, um, we got a poor joke from one of our friends on Twitter. He makes poor jokes and it was about the internet access. So I actually got looking to how much of the population of Mongolia has internet access. And the answer to that would be 68%. And the reason being is that they are the most sparsely populated independent nation in the world. They have the 18th largest land area of all countries in the world, but they are 136th in population. And to go even further, there are 13 times more horses and 30 times more sheep than people in the country of Mongolia. They are under 4 million in population, right around the three and a half mark, which puts them in between the metro areas of Minneapolis and San Diego. So I bet you did not log on to this podcast today thinking you were going to get Mongolian trivia, but alas, fair listener, that is exactly what you got. Now, I know what you're thinking. Sully, I've had BD's Mongolian Grill down at the Green before, uh, the mall in Dayton, for all those not familiar, and I am here to tell you that is actually a Chinese tradition, and the Mongolian Grill was marketed that way for, you guessed it, marketing purposes. Mongolians also drive on the right, which fascinated me, and that's just one thing that I can add into my Mongolian trivia section today. Their capital city, which is Ulaanbaatar, is a smidge larger than the Raleigh area and a smidge smaller than the Milwaukee area. All right, that concludes my Mongolian trivia for today. Just walk away from the program knowing that indeed you have learned today, and it's because of your old pal Sully. All right, getting back to the basketball, the Flyers take down Virginia Tech this past Sunday, 62-57. We'll get into it in a little bit of detail uh, with Keith wallace coming up on the program here in a little bit. Um, But the most impressive thing from Sunday's uh, game and Sunday's win was certainly the defense. And so with that in mind, I wanted to shout out to one of our Twitter users, Sean Ferguson, who asked the question that, was it the soul-searching Was it a come-to-Jesus moment that the Dayton Flyers had uh, in the days between Austin P, their lost Austin P rather, and that win against Miami that sparked the win in the Orlando tournament? What happened? What exactly happened? And, you know, I'm not close to the team um, as far as following them around from day to day, but from a technical perspective or a statistical perspective or a, uh, let's just say, numbers perspective, right, is it... What UD was able to do in between starting one and three and going to the Orlando tournament or why they saw success in that tournament was largely due to UD's, of course, ability to make shots. That's off the top. Their ability to move the ball with purpose because there was a lot of standing. There was a lot of passing in the first four games, but not a lot of passing with purpose. And they were able to get more efficient from two-point range. Um, I believe I threw out a stat to someone earlier this week that in the back-to-back losses to uh, UMass Lowell and Austin P, the Flyers were around f- under 50%, I believe, from two-point percentage. And if you know anything about you know the advanced analytics of the Dayton Flyers, and specifically Anthony Grant coach teams, we have been in the top 30 in two-point percentage throughout AG's tenure. This year is no different. The Flyers' numbers have crept up to 56% from two-point range. And that was one of the things that had to change because that is one of AG's staples, is manufacturing easy buckets and doing so around the rim. So when the Flyers were able to get back to that, it obviously put pressure on the opponents to collapse UD down low, which 
of course, leads to kickouts and more space on the perimeter for them to step in and hit open shots. Um, but, you know, this team is not going to be an offensive juggernaut. They're going to have to rely on their defense and have that translate into offense. And I think that's exactly what you saw against Virginia Tech. The one thing I think this Dayton team can be faulted for this past Sunday is, again, we've talked about this many times, is not putting the game away when the opportunity is present. And that's something that they're going to have to work on, and that is definitely something that comes with being a young team. And so under that same thread, uh, Brooks Hall responded and said that while I was touching on a lot of the technical changes that UD made that led to more success, he said one of the major adjustments had a lot to do with the, that had a lot to do with the sudden turnaround was the change in intensity at practice from the coaching staff that then trickled down onto the roster. He said that they took the kid gloves off and things got pretty real and the team responded. Which, of course, leads me to a couple of questions. Number one, why did it take four games for the coaching staff to, uh, you know, air quotes, take the kid gloves off? And why wasn't the team ready to play those first four games when the season started? Because as you'll hear when I was talking with Keith, we didn't set the bar all that high. If Dayton had won those three bye games to start the year, they're looking at a record right now that would be 10-1, and one, and they would be either right outside the top 25 um, – or inside those high 20s, and they would definitely be top 40 analytically um, when you take a look at the Ken Palm numbers or the Bart Torbick numbers or uh, the net numbers. UD would definitely be a top 50 team, probably top 40, and again, they'd be hovering right outside the top 25 probably for those AP poll rankings. But alas, I mean, that's the reality of the season. It just begs the question why this team wasn't ready to take on lesser foes at home. But again, Sunday, uh, they put together a great performance against Virginia Tech. They were able to hold them to 57 points. If you're an advanced stats guy, uh, Virginia Tech was held to 0.88 points per possession. Uh, anytime you're under one, that's going to be a great defensive effort. They held Virginia Tech 15 of 33 from two-point range. 6 of 22 from downtown, and they were able to generate 13 turnovers from Virginia Tech. Uh, they out-rebounded Tech, which again, we'll talk about with Keith here at the end of the show, how this is one of the better rebounding teams we've seen in Dayton, Ohio in about a decade, and that's something that is entirely encouraging as we take this week off for finals and look ahead to a Mississippi team that is not so great. And this game, I'm sure, looked like it was going to be a good opportunity when they drew it up years ago. Um, but unfortunately, it's not going to be that way. Mississippi is right around Dayton right now in the, both the net rankings and the Ken Palm. Um, in Ken Palm rankings, Mississippi is going to be directly uh, ahead of UD at number 90. UD is coming in at 94. And then in the net rankings, Mississippi right now is actually way lower than UD. Um, they're sitting all the way down at 165. Uh, Old Miss has yet to play a quad one game. They are one and two in the quad two and zero and one in the quad three. So as we look at Mississippi coming up here on Saturday, they're coming in with a 6-3 and three record. They have losses to Marquette, to Boise State, and then most recently this past Saturday against Western Kentucky to the tune of 71-48. to 48. They actually played that game on a neutral court 
at State Farm Arena, which is in Atlanta. So again, uh, you know, we're not looking at a huge matchup for the Flyers. If anything, this is a very winnable game. Uh, Mississippi State will have a game in between. This week, they're taking on Middle Tennessee State. That game has not happened as of this recording. My apologies to you, fair listener. That's it. So get ready for the game here. 6.30 tip-off against Old Miss. Uh, we'll get into some of the numbers on Twitter later on this weekend, probably Friday into Saturday morning, kind of dissecting what we can look forward to. Um, but rest assured, this is a very winnable game for Dayton, a team that's probably on their level or maybe even a lesser team. Uh, they have a little bit more experience. You know, they're going to play four seniors pretty consistently in this lineup. Um, so look for the Flyers to pull out a win this week. If we're going to put on our optimism pants, this is a winnable game for the Dayton Flyers. So without further ado, take a quick break. And then on the other side, we're going to be talking to Keith Wallace-Kowski, who actually will be calling the game on Saturday down in Oxford. This is Sully. You're listening to Talking Out Loud. Stick with us. Keith Wallace-Kowski coming right up. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And joining the show right now for our first segment of the evening, I have now, I can call him a recurring guest, Keith Wallace-Kowski joining the show, uh, fresh off a few uh, Dayton basketball radio calls, but I told Keith before we jumped on today that I know he was getting a little bit jealous of me and Brooks doing our thing, having the Stephen A. Max Kellerman vibe back and forth. So I welcome him on the show again so that that jealousy didn't start to brew into something else. So welcome on to the program, Keith. It's great to have you on today, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. It's about time you brought in the big dogs. Yeah, that's right. To intelligently talk hoops here. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's been a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde season, as I'm, I'm sure is obvious to anyone that's listening. And here we are. We're heading into the Christmas break with one big game, one by game before we get to the holiday. And, um, you know, as I think back through the first month and a half of the season, Keith, I, I remember your call on the radio with Larry when you guys were doing the Austin P game. Um, I was out of town that weekend and I didn't have access to a television, so I had to listen to the radio feed. And so I turned you guys on and uh, right around the second half was when it was pretty apparent like Dayton just wasn't going to win that game. Um, and especially, I guess, with about five minutes left, things just kind of weren't trending in, in their direction. And I remember you guys kind of having this this tone about you where it was like disbelief, but it was also kind of just like a total defeat. And you 
you definitely like epitomize how I was feeling in the radio broadcast because I had the same thing. I was like, are we going to have to go through a whole season like this? And how did we get here? So I'm curious now, you know, we can obviously walk through like the season and how it's progressed. But like on that day, when you're doing that broadcast, you're watching Dayton lose their third bye game in a row. The first time it's happened in what, 25 years. What were you thinking there sitting on the court and watching what was unfolding? Um, well, well, first off, like, and I'm sure if you've listened to games, especially when I call games, like I'm super emotional. So yeah. Yeah, you'd be like what I was calling a game. (laughs) Yeah, the lows are low, the highs are high. Like when things are going bad, I when I first started doing it, I actually had people texting me during games saying like, "I can hear you groan when they are missing shots," and I was like, "Oh, I should probably cover cover that up a little bit better then." Um, But going through that game, like going into it, I knew they had a couple of hard practices, and I knew they had kind of. refocused their mindset and what they were going to do. And we saw it early, which was good because again, obviously what they were doing really early in the season wasn't working and they didn't have the type of team to play that way. They didn't, the, the maturity level in the basketball IQ uh, wasn't to the level that it needed to be for them to do the things that they were, they were doing early on. Yeah. And Austin P you saw a big time change. That's when they first started pressing. Yeah, uh, full court press the whole game, very intense. The mindset completely was: we're going to attack the basket. We're going to attack the paint. I want the ball getting into the paint. I want shots coming from in close, right? And if there, if one of the big guys uh, comes over and helps, drop it off. Deron Mu, whoever, finish it off uh, for a close range basket. If guards help in after we've gotten to the paint, gotten to the basket, and you don't have a shot there, all the help sucks in, and you've got a kick out, that's when we'll take threes, when we're stepping into it, when we're lined up and we've got time. Yep. We're a much better team when we're stepping into and we're, and we're taking threes that are within the offense that are because we've created something. Yep. What the problem early on was we're really bad. Like We have a bunch of shooters that are not shooters, and we were settling for three-point shots. Yeah, and yeah. it wasn't coming from any creativity within the offense. It was just, well, I've got the ball and the shot clock's running down, so I'm going to go ahead and take a three. And those are they're just not high-quality shots. And so we struggled with that. The disheartening thing was we put in the work. I think the mindset was correct with Austin P, but it didn't come to fruition with a win late in that game and we kind of got away from some of the stuff late in the game and ultimately I thought we were tired and which wasn't surprising because I didn't think we were in great shape to start the season off now I think we're in better shape we've got a better mindset obviously it helps when you when you win some games Uh, we saw that in Orlando that we win some games we got a little confidence Um, the playing that way was working for us then we got a little complacent at SMU. And uh, even though I've just kind of walked through uh, most of the season there, I don't know if that's what, sh- what you intended, but that's just you know, <laughs> no, you young get it. basketball you get it. players. And, you know, they're just they're up and down. They're emotionally up and down. You have to refocus them. Um, so, yeah, sitting there calling that game was just kind of like, 
Yeah, there was a bunch of things running through my mind that I couldn't necessarily say on the on the on the air on the radio. Uh, was certainly frustrating, certainly discouraging, uh, knowing that we were better, and thinking to myself, like I knew it was going to be bad, and I knew there was going to be highs, and I knew there was going to be lows, and I knew just dealing with young guys, that's how it was going to be. There was going to be growing pains that we needed to go through. Yeah, I didn't think that it was going to result in three by game losses. <laughs> yeah, like, I, think, I, thought, I think that's I, fair to say thought, at this point. <laughs> right. I thought we would be sitting here talking about. You know, we should be beating these teams by more than three points. We should yeah. be we should be winning those games by more than one possession, not we should be winning those games. Yeah. And yeah. that was just it was just tough to swallow. Yeah. And I said it a bunch of times on the, the broadcast here is that we weren't asking a ton. Like I wasn't asking for the style points. It was just like a figure out how to win type of situation because we all know the deal in college basketball. There's no style points. It's did you win or did you lose? And in March, they don't care if you beat UMass Lowell by one point or you don't, they don't care that you beat Kansas on a buzzer beater. If you're the better team or not, that makes no difference. What is in the win and loss column matters. And that's why those losses were so frustrating because we talk all offseason about how few opportunities we have and how slim the non-conference schedule is when it comes to those opportunities. And right out of the gate, you blow three of them. Now, you, you hit on one thing that I had kind of mentioned off the top when the season was kind of starting to unravel was that it was most perplexing to me because you could see the talent. And most times in these situations, and I guess I could use last year as an example, Last season, one of the reasons why myself and a lot of people got super pissed is that it felt like the team was kind of quitting on the season. And I, you know, the guys are human. Like when you're coming down the stretch and you know you're going NIT or worse, it's tough to get up for those games. I recognize that. But as a fan, as a consumer, you know, as an alumni, you don't want the guys to quit. You want them to show up every game and give some heart. So with that in mind, when I looked at this team, When the year started, I said effort and talent are not the problem. This team is giving effort when they get on the floor, but that effort in the first four games was entirely misplaced in a lot of areas. And that's why you saw wide open looks and guys were running to close them out. Um, You saw pressure down low that would lead to balls that got kicked out. And then those open shots would happen from there. Right. And so I kind of reminded people, the effort is there. It just has to start manifesting itself in more productive ways. And that's kind of what you saw happen when they went to Orlando, right? Is that that effort then turned into tangible results. They started moving the ball with a little bit more purpose and it led to more shots that were open for them, number one. But then the most important thing, and I think where we're going with this season, because we're trying to figure out like, what's the identity of the team? I think a lot of their success over the last couple of games is because they have the intensity on the defensive end and it turns into offense. And coach Grant has said that a bunch of times that they need to turn defense into offense because now that we are 11 games into the season, I think that this is going to be the identity of Dayton that they need to hold teams under 65 points every night. That's their identity moving forward. What do you say to that? Well, a couple of things. First off, I think it's, it's a really good observation to say that the the effort was there it was just misguided um yeah because i thought the same thing i thought they were playing hard um it just wasn't necessarily that they were playing right mm-hmm. and i think they were just a little bit kind of directionless last year you got jalen crutcher leading the team 
Uh, if you need a big bucket, you're running a play for Ibby Watson to get him a three, right? And he hit so yep. many of those big shots. We just – we didn't know – who was going to get the minutes and who was going to get the shot and what play were we going to run and what action was it going to lead to uh, when we needed a bucket or we, when we needed a stop, it was um, guys just didn't know. And so when you heard AG talking post game about players and roles and things like that, that it was just, they needed to get the experience and get the feeling. And it was it, like we said, it was tough. It sucks. They lost, but that's, this is the life we're living in now. Yep. Um, Moving, moving forward, um, I think this. I, I think some of those issues have ironed themselves out to an extent. Um, I agree that, like an NCAA tournament resume, is it's it's not a resume, right? Because you're not going to listen to somebody on ESPN talk about, well, the Dayton Flyers have uh, three quad one wins and three quad four losses. Like that's, that's, <laughs> that's not going to do anything for you. No, right? no, but not nowhere. I, I think what we're doing is, uh, gaining experience and positioning ourselves that hopefully we only have to play three games in the A-10 tournament yep. because we've proven to ourselves that we can win three games albeit in four days, but, you know, three True. games in three days. Good point. And that's that's the opportunity that we need. If we're playing five games in five days, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen for anybody. If we're playing four games in four days, that's still really tough. I think Cuts your odds in half, that, basically, right? Right. We have a lineup that might be able to manage it, but that third and fourth game gets gets to be a lot. Three games in three days. I think we got. I think we got a shooter's chance of being there, uh, and I think given the way that we defend and and the style that we play, it it gives us an opportunity to be there. Now, even with all of that, one of the things that I think about these guys is the youth and the inexperience. I think they are too naive to understand that they have to prepare for every game, every team, every game, no matter how big, no matter how small and prepare the they've same gotta way be prepared. Yeah. Yes. And they got to come out and they got to play hard and they got to do their things to win that game. I also think that they're, they're too naive to know and understand that um, they shouldn't be Kansas. Supposed, well, yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they're, they're too naive to know that they shouldn't, that they shouldn't win that game. And they're no. too naive to know that they shouldn't lose to, uh, Lipscomb and Austin P and UMass Lowell. Yeah. So, you know, part of that's, you know, maybe it is a blessing in disguise because maybe we get to the end of the season and they're still too naive to know that they're not supposed to win three games in three days after being picked to finish fifth in the league and not having a shot at the NCAA tournament. So for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, that was a good point. I never thought about that, but to be honest, Keith, you're taking on a yeoman's task by trying to convince Dayton fans that we're going to win the a 10 tournament. Um, just, just for uh, historical sake alone. Yeah. Um, I'm a really bad, I'm a really bad optimist when it comes to <laughs> that type of stuff. Like, uh, oh you know, you, we, we've got a chance uh, as I, long as I, they're playing the game. We got a chance. I had to laugh because that started to surface on Twitter when like people were, were trying to look for something optimistic to say, and God bless you all. Like I'm going to sit here and try to be as realistic as possible. That's just who I am. But there's a lot of people that came at me and they said, well, we always have the A-10 tournament. We can win the A-10 tournament. And I said, leave it to Dayton fans that when things go wrong, their light at the end of the tunnel is to do something that we haven't done in almost 20 years. I go, that is Dayton optimism, yeah. like to a T right there. Um, but my question to you was, 
pulling back the curtain just like a little bit, because I know that listeners don't necessarily have this perspective, but what's different about playing a tournament three days and three, three games in three days. I mean, you, you played in Maui, you guys won the A-10 tournament, last team to do it, right? Like what is different as a player playing in those weekend tournaments where you're going every day? Well, I think first off, it's important, obviously, to win that first game. You have time to prepare for that game like a regular game. Yeah. And if you're able to accomplish that, the turnaround time to prepare for the next team is really small. Now, the same goes for them preparing for you. They don't necessarily see your stuff or know your stuff inside out like they would if they had three, four days to prepare. So you got a little bit of an advantage there. All of that, I, I think it's it's different because you don't have a home court advantage, but you don't have an away court disadvantage, right? So neutral yep. court, Dayton fans travel well, which which always helps out, but it 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 doesn't feel like a home game. It's it's a different level of enthusiasm that you're playing with, uh, yep. and excitement, and a different sight, and uh, you can kind of get back to just playing basketball, being a kid again and just playing basketball. And, you know, it's, you can go out there, you can enjoy it, you can have fun and you really got to have that adrenaline kick in because that's, what's carrying you through. You know, usually you see guys uh, the first couple minutes of the game, they get winded. Right. And then you get that first media timeout, you come back out after that and you've settled into a flow, your adrenaline's kicked in. You've caught your second, your, your, your second wind, you got your breath and you can carry on through, continue to play hard through the game. Well, tournaments are kind of the same way, just drawn out a little bit more. You need to get yeah. your legs underneath you and and kind of turn off all the white noise in the background and and just get to playing a game and and reacting to what the defense is giving you and doing everything you can uh, when you're on the defensive end. Yep, yep. Um, backing up a little bit, again, talking to Keith Walaskowski here on Talking Out Loud, uh, great finals week, which has given us kind of a breather in the season. Uh, it's always a week of the year when the Flyers are off, so they go from Sunday to Saturday, no games, um, hopefully hitting the books hard, as I'm sure that uh, you did back in your academic career, Keith. But uh, let's go back to Sunday. Um, game versus Virginia Tech. Uh, line came out plus four, Dayton, home underdogs. That's bad news for whoever is coming into the arena. We all know that, historically speaking. It had been about three years-ish, maybe four years, since Dayton had a Power 5 team that came to the arena. So before we talk about the game briefly, I did want to get your perspective on the fact that I. it's hard to say this because Dayton won, and this is what we all want, right? But Dayton definitely didn't do themselves any favors by getting people to come to the arena again. It feels like... Every time we get a power five team in the arena's buzzing, the students were as, as lively as I've ever seen them. Dayton comes out and, and jumps on them early. Um, they played a, a strong first half and then they extended the lead in the second half. And it looks like it was going to be a comfortable defeat before Virginia tech claws back. But I think that Sunday was just another example of why it is damn near impossible for UD to get some of these teams to come and play us at home because it's a lose, lose situation. And even right now, let you know, let's say that Dayton had a great resume and this was a resume building win. Okay, that's one thing. But Virginia Tech just took what is a quad two loss for them. Dayton's just inside the top 100. So it really was kind of a lose lose situation for Virginia Tech. If they win the game, so what? 
if they lose, now they have this blemish on their resume. It's not it's not like a huge black mark, but it doesn't do them any favors to say, ah, you know, that was kind of a tough loss for them. So, I mean, how do you see it? Because I know that we talk about this every year. Like, it's so hard to get people into the arena. And this was just another example. Like, people were fired up. It was a Sunday afternoon, a very bizarre start time. And it was still, like, vintage arena environment. People were loud. And, you know, Dayton pulls one out, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, well, a number of things. I think You get those weird times just because of, because of TV. And you'll do whatever. Yeah. You'll play at whatever time you have to to get on TV so you can get exposure for recruits and everything like that. And that was this but case it, for listeners. They, they were on ESPN, too, so that was the reason the game was Sunday at 2 yep. o'clock instead of Saturday, just so everybody knows. Go on. Yeah, yeah. So I think you, you mentioned it, and you've hit on we've been talking about it for years. Yes, Dayton has a hell of a time scheduling uh, decent opponents, getting people to come in, even, even for home-and-homes, um, or even if, like, two-for-one type of deals. It's tough to get people to come in because, you're right, they don't want to take that loss. and in college basketball scheduling that's number one that's what it's gotten to you're you're planning you're planning out wins and losses and games that you can win and and trying to build a resume based on thinking you can win those games sure well Dayton in this case I guess where they've found somewhat success at least scheduling though as far as scheduling goes is going to these power five high major conferences but getting mid to mid low level teams in those conferences Yep. Right. That will like Ole Miss. They will. Exactly. So they will uh, inevitably just because of the conference schedule that they play have a decent RPI. It will help raise our RPI. Maybe it is a good win for us. Hopefully they win some games. Now, I think what's happening, too, is those teams, because they're constantly projected ACC mid-level, it's tough. But because they're ACC, they've still got options. Even if they go just over 500 in their league, they've got options. So if they beat Dayton on the road at Dayton and Dayton happens to have a good team and they're competing for an A-10 championship or they're making a tournament, well, they just beat a road NCAA tournament team. That helps boost their resume as well. Um, So I I think there's probably some of that going into it. That's why we see some of the teams that we do. Some of the really high-level teams – if you really break down their schedules uh, and some of these major conferences, uh, I, you know, I, I forget all the exact math behind it all, right? But let's say they have 11 non-conference games. Well, I can break it down we- for you, right? Like the Big Ten, okay. okay? Big Ten, for example. And this is the example that I always use because the Big Ten is now so chock full of games, right? They have 20 conference right. games. They can only play 31. So now they have 11 games left to work with. They have the three games in the non-exempt tournament. Now we're down to eight. Then they play the Gavit games, and then they play the Big Ten Big East Challenge, which just – is it Big Ten Big East? Whatever the conference challenge Big Ten uh, ACC. ACC Challenge. Yeah, the conference challenge, yeah. They play that. Okay, so that's two more games. So now we're down to six. So you need to – you know, for for our purposes, you basically have to explain to someone – why would a Big Ten team like, say, Michigan State, Tom Izzo, why would they use those six games on a potential loss when they know that the other 26 games on their schedule are going to be top 100 games? And if they're not, they're against like Nebraska, which is like just outside of the top 100 anyways. Yeah. So why, yeah, why would exactly. you come to Dayton? Why would you schedule us? Yeah, you're not you, you don't want to schedule a potential loss. A lot of those teams may maybe even they have a 
kickoff classic game or something, you know, one of those other six games where they're playing some other deal that's still putting them against, you know, a blue blood type of school Yep. that, so now you're down to four or five games, maybe. I mean, those, you got to have some warm up games. You got to have some games that you're scheduling yourself to win. So they're just, the math behind it all doesn't work out for some of those really high level, high level teams. And I think we found a nice little niche with some of these mid-level teams. Hopefully, you know, we can, we can have that scheduling continue to be beneficial for us anyways. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I see two different things that need to happen. And this is just like my opinion, but I think that the A-10 needs to go back to 16 games for the sole reason that it needs to give the other teams in the conference more opportunities for games like this. And then they need to align themselves with other conferences who will listen. The American has been like historically stubborn about scheduling games for some reason. We were able to get SMU on the calendar on a home and home, Mm -hmm. thankfully, the last two years. And then the A-10 really hasn't worked as hard as I thought they would to bring the Mountain West Challenge back, which was on the schedule. And then it got off the schedule because of COVID and they never put it back on. But those are the games we have to have. I mean, regardless of where the West Coast Conference is or where the Mountain West Conference is, the A-10 needs to align themselves to those conferences so that we can guarantee we're playing three or four games against those types of teams every year. And whether or not they pan out, it's going to be better than us playing UMass Lowell and Austin P and Lipscomb. I mean, yeah. we needed those games this year for obvious reasons, um, probably more so than we even thought, but it was just an interesting discussion off the back of this Virginia tech game, because it's rare that we get a team in here like this. And then, you know, you, you start to see these little reasons we have challenges getting these types of teams in the arena. That's just the yeah. reality of life. Yeah. And there's, there's, I mean, especially with, especially with there being 13,500 fans that come to every single game and the amount of food they eat and the amount of beer they drink and definitely the amount of beer they drink. Um, <laughs> I went light this week. You know, I had to drive home. There's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of financials that go into it and how much the men's basketball program provides for the rest of the university too. So, you yep. know, cause I've thought about it before. I'd love to see like Fordham get kicked out of the league. I'd love to see LaSalle, LaSalle. get kicked out of the league. Just get, you yep. know, get rid of them. And I'd even be happy giving up a home game and just saying, we'll go somewhere and play you. We'll play anybody. Yep. Whether it's, again, if you can talk Duke or Michigan State or Kansas, any high-level power five team. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's a tough sell um, to get that. And, again, I don't know the exact financials behind it because I'm not looking at their balance sheets or anything. So I'm sure there's some of that that plays into it, too. Which uh, which makes it tough. So yeah. it would be uh, it, it would be easier, I think, if we were to perform consistently, hang more banners in the rafters, uh, to be able to get teams to schedule. Just because now you have, you know, it's almost like um, you know, it's almost like Gonzaga, right? Gonzaga's done it for so long, or Xavier. I know we hate to mention them, but Xavier's done it, and they got banners in the rafters. So now all of a sudden, you can schedule some teams because the loss that they would take is not as bad of a loss if it happens that way. So, yep. Yeah. You just have to take the risk out of it for programs. They have to know that when they come into your arena and if they are going to take a loss, it's not going to hurt them so bad. And that's kind of the reality that we're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, Shifting back to the the basketball that was played on the floor on Sunday. um, And as we kind of look ahead to Saturday, I I'm sorry, listeners. Again, I mentioned you at the top of the show. I tried to get some, um, some guests from old miss, 
Today was signing day as we were recording here on Wednesday, December 15th. So signing day for football took precedence over basketball. And I don't believe anybody in Mississippi even knows there's a basketball game going on on, on Saturday. <laughs> we know. Uh, so we're talking about it here because this is a Dayton podcast. But um, like we said, I think the takeaways from Sunday were really clear was that this team needs to play an intense brand of basketball in the defensive end and have it translate into offense. But the other thing that I saw um, and, and you're starting to see now, and I'm starting to see the importance of it here is that I was taking a look at some of the different uh, teams around the country. And Memphis was one that came to mind because they've been struggling to start the year here. And then last night they beat Alabama uh, at home. Alabama was the top 10 team. I think they were ranked number six. And the struggles that Memphis was having was that they have all this talent. They had veterans that were already there and were proven veterans like Remy Martin, who came from Arizona State. And then they brought in a, a class of guys that were highly touted, very talented recruits that Penny Hardaway brought in. And they were having trouble meshing the roster because they had so many guys. There's only 200 minutes in a basketball game. There's You only can feed so many mouths. And when it comes down to giving a guy seven minutes and nine minutes, and he's not going to be as productive as the guy who's maybe going to play 30 minutes. You start to say to yourself, is it worth it from a continuity perspective to bring those guys in for six, seven minutes when we could just roll with the seven or eight guys that we have? Like Memphis had like 11, 12 guys that were getting minutes. We saw the same thing with Dayton. And when I started to hear this comparison, I started to think about Dayton because sooner rather than later, and it's kind of imminent now, the lineup needs to get whittled down to here's the seven guys that are going to get the bulk of the minutes. And then here's the other two role players that we have on the roster. I think when you talk about the game on Sunday, I think we finally saw that. I don't think there was necessarily a place for Moose Sissoko in this game plan, just like the way the game shook out. But do you kind of see that happening right now too, where AG starting to figure out here's the guys that are going to get the bulk of the minutes. Here's our role players. Yeah. Well, I, I think, when you look at this team and when you look how AG coaches this team, and I've said it before, one of the things that uh, AG has the ability to do this year that he hasn't been able to do over the past couple of years is when somebody messes up on their court or they're, they're not doing what he wants them to or they're not playing the way he wants them to play, he could look down his bench and he's got options. Yeah. Right? So there's, there's nothing like motivation from, coming from your own bench and someone behind you you know, uh, just ready to steal your minutes. Yep. So I think preseason early on, or I shouldn't say preseason, but like non-conference season, you're giving guys opportunities. You're seeing what they can do in games. You're also, I mean, he's, he, he's setting a standard of guys that play hard, practicing games, guys that play the way I want them to, guys that are doing what they're supposed to for the team, this team first mentality. Those are the guys that are going to play. Yep. And we've seen it from him before, and I think you started to see it uh, in this Virginia Tech game. I, I agree on the move thing. It just wasn't the best lineup, and Virginia Tech didn't necessarily play the way that was conducive for him defending uh, yeah. the way we would need him to. Um, again, not a knock on him, but it's, it's just, just not his just game. Lineups, yeah, lineups, and, and that's how it goes. But um, moving forward with his games – Guys that are playing, they'll have their opportunities first half, maybe even early in the second half. But AG yeah. always rolls with guys that are defending. They may not be scoring a lot, but, but guys that are playing the way he wants, 
you all of a sudden see their minutes start to pile up in the second half. And maybe it's not starters. Maybe it's somebody from the bench that all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, I know RJ Blakeney scored 16, 19 points this last game. Uh, You know, he shot the ball really well, but sometimes you're out there and it's like, man, RJ's playing a lot of minutes today or Elijah Weaver or Lynn Greer got a couple opportunities already this year because he was doing the things the way he wanted to. Um, you've seen Malachi Smith develop because of that. He's been playing the right way, the way he wants him to. So now he's stepped up into this huge role for us because he, he plays that way. So you'll definitely see it, um, a little bit more and more and then getting into conference season and then like, you know, the home stretch late February and going into March, you'll really, really see it. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, you know, how we're setting the table right now is that going into a 10 season, we, I talked about this with Larry in September is that by Christmas time, you got a good feel for the team. Um, this year, it might be a little bit different. I don't know if anybody has a good feel for the team. I think we have a feel, I think we've witnessed them play basketball, but I still think we're kind of on a, which team is going to show up type of basis with these flyers. Um, I think the inalienable truce right now is that Malachi Smith's going to start on the point. He's going to play 30 to 35 minutes every night. Uh, I think Deron Holmes, as long as he's not in foul trouble and he's not gassed, he's been gassed a couple of times. He's going to do the same. He's going to play 30 minutes a night. Um, and then behind that, that's where it's kind of anybody's guess. So, you know, on the off week heading into Ole Miss, um, have, have you had a chance to, to look at the Ole Miss team and check out what, what they got going on? I have not watched a minute of them. Um, so, yeah, uh, no, I, I really haven't either. Um, I haven't had a chance. Usually it's a good opportunity if I'm able to stop in practice and listen to them talk about what, what the opponents are working with or that type of thing. Or when we're on the road, we get to go through you know, we watch their shoot arounds and watch them kind of go through their scouting and that type of stuff. So, yeah. uh, going into it this far, I haven't seen literally anything about them. Um, their fans haven't either again, apparently. So no worries, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like you, you do need some type of atmosphere to bring uh, football recruits to, yeah. uh, over the course of the winter. So maybe that'll start, maybe that'll start kicking up for them soon. Yeah. Um, but no, the, but you know, the thing I like about our team is again, we're kind of built on defense and effort and yeah. those constants always have to be there. So if we're doing that, some days we're going to have better shooting nights than others, but the defense always has to be there for us. So, yeah. And then, then the last thing we can touch on, man, I was thinking about you, uh, this past weekend because I was running through some of the numbers and I said to myself, this is probably the most productive rebounding team we've had in like a decade. And I know that you're, you're a rebounding kind of guy. So that makes you happy to oh, see yeah. that we're a rebounding team now. It, it definitely does. I like, <laughs> I mean, and everybody gets, everybody gets in the mix. Everybody gets involved. Uh, you know, that I, I was standing right in the tunnel, right behind the bench for this Virginia tech game. And it was just an absolute slug fest. Yeah. But, guys are going after things or it may not again there may be some rebounds here that they don't come up with but yeah they work and and they take pride in uh they take pride in doing the little things yeah and it's you see a lot in the rebounding and that shows up in the stat sheet but just having active hands and talking and switching and helping and rotating when they're when they're really clicking on defense they're a really fun team to watch it's just a matter of making sure that we don't get complacent and take that type of effort for granted and don't uh, don't confuse the effort for 
skill. If yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, absolutely. And you know that the sweater vests in Dayton love nothing more than defense. Um, when the place gets loud for a normal they regular do. season game, it's usually because of like multiple defensive stands versus a scoring. Like, what is that? Yeah. And it got, <laughs> it got really loud uh, on Sunday. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Not, I, I don't want to say it was strange, but it's been, and not to joke about nobody being in there because of COVID, obviously it makes sense and that stuff yeah. last year, but that's as loud as I've heard it for a basketball game, just fans genuinely being enthusiastic and getting excited and cheering and willing a team on. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's kind of an incredible cycle because the team feeds off the fans, but the fans feed, feed off the team and it turns into defense and buckets and more defense and more buckets. And it's, it's kind of fun to watch, especially when those things are clicking. Yeah, man. Like Mally Smith and Duran and even AG. I mean, I have started to see AG as animated as I've ever seen him on a nightly yep. basis. And um, for anybody that wasn't at the game, I it was my first game of the year in the arena. Um, AG was just fired up and they were throwing their arms up in the air to fire up the crowd. I mean, it's cool to see guys like Duran and Mally come into the program and kind of understand the importance of having the building behind you. Um, you know, that, that was something that, that was cool for me to see, because when we when you have young teams, freshmen, you know, maybe they don't get it or maybe it takes a little bit longer to understand, hey, we have a big fan base and they're just waiting for reasons to cheer you on. Um, but right. but Sunday was definitely encouraging from that regard. So um, as we finish up here, I won't let you go without trivia and then final thoughts. So my trivia question for you tonight is off the back of rebounding that I was talking about. Again, statistically, the Dayton Flyers, best rebounding team we've seen um, to this point, the best rebounding team we've seen in 10 years since the last um, team that Brian Gregory coached in 2011. So my question to you, Keith, is how many people in the history of the Dayton Flyers program have more than 1,000 rebounds for their career? Oh, that's a good question. I only Uh, come with the heat. I know, man. Now I remember all these trivia questions, and now I feel like I'm on. Now I feel like I'm on some type of game show because I'm talking it out like the like the producers have uh, coached me into doing. Yeah, I have trivia like music. You could think of it like a game right. show. Yeah, I want to because and there's so many guys back in the 50s and 60s that were so good. So I want I want to say yeah. when I did it, yeah, I, I scored. 1500 point over 1500 points and over a thousand rebounds and i was like the sixth person to do it maybe the seventh something like that you are number six all time there's your hint okay well i'm i'm well there's only there's only like 92 rebounds between between me and a thousand then so i was leading you down the path yeah. All right. Well, so is that number six or is that number seven? <laughs> Dang it. Can go I, ahead. Can I phone a friend? I'll, yeah. I'll go with seven. There I'll you go. go. With seven. You got it. There are seven Dayton Flyers in the history of the program that have surpassed 1000 rebounds. And the first person that is under 1000 rebounds finished with 956. And that is Roosevelt Chapman. Unreal, dude. Guys, eighth wow. in program history and rebounds and first in points. Can't make that up. He's also number one in turnovers. If anybody ever asks you that question, oops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever bring that up to Chap. Um, I I usually stick to the the high level things when I speak with him. Um, 
But uh, Keith, it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. I love talking hoops. I know you do as well. And uh, this is a little bit more of an open forum than you can do when you're calling the game. So uh, with the off week, couple days off, Flyers back in action on Saturday. Uh, game starts at 6.30 Eastern, I believe. Yeah, 6.30 Eastern. I had to check my calendar myself. Um, so final thoughts for the listeners as we get ready for Old Miss here uh, on Saturday. Uh, final thoughts are, you know, I – I think you've seen it so far. We got into a mindset. We followed that mindset. We got a little complacent going to SMU. We refocused, proved to ourselves again against Virginia Tech, like this is who we are. This is our identity. We got back to that. Uh, I'm going to look for us to continue to that. I'm going to look for the coaches to remind the players, like, hey, we last time we went on the road, true road game, we got complacent. We got to bring the juice for this game if we want to compete if we want to be in it if we want a chance to win so i look for us to come out fired up yeah me too and hopefully they do come out fired up without uh without the crowd behind them because that you know sometimes it'll happen you have like a down game because you know the crowd's just not behind you so uh, that'll do it for our show tonight we will be back in action uh i'll put a show together between the old miss game and the southern game which is coming up on Tuesday night. Uh, it's a regular seven o'clock tip before the Christmas break. Uh, before I let you go, I'm going to choose the song tonight. It's an old one. It's a classic, but it just hit the ears right today. It's by P. Diddy. It's called I Need a Girl Part Two. That's what I'm going to take you out with tonight. Uh, we will see you back here next week. Show will drop Sunday night, ready for you Monday morning. And then we'll have a show after the Southern game to get into the Christmas break. Uh, I am Sully. He's Keith wallace You know there are two rules for the program. Wear red and be loud. And we will catch you next time. Again. If you happy, then be with him. Go ahead, mommy, breathe again. Go ahead, mommy, breathe again. Don't stop now, straight to the top now. Go ahead, mommy, make it hot now. I need me a love that's gonna make my heart stop now. And what I need is simple. Five foot five with dimples, potential wife credentials. Know about the life I'm into, life I've been through, and how I had a trifle mental. So ride with me, G4, fly with me. Times get hard, cry with me, die with me. White beach sands, lie with me. My advice is forget the limelight. Let's make love while we listen to Frank White. So tight, now I understand. Like, yeah, take that. Come on. I say now, come on, mom. Been a whole day now. I wanna lay round and sip colada, dipped in Prada. I'm smooth as Eric Estrada, dipped in dollars. We out in Vegas, Nevada. Bubble bath in a champagne glass, about the size of a campaign ad. You don't know how you looked at me, but if love was a crime, you'd crook to me. Cause mommy, I done been around the world, seen a lot of places, been around your girl. Believe I read faces. I could tell she don't want me prevail, but I learned my lesson watching Sean dressing. So why listen to her and start guessing? Mommy, you ain't ready to ride to start dressing. I need a girl receive my mom's blessing. Confession, my love, no contesting. I need affection. Listen, I need affection. Let's go, Mary. Girl, what the hell Talk is on me. your mind? Yeah. I could be dumb, but I'm not blind. Come on. There's something leaking in your mind. Get your mind right. Don't look too good for you and me. Always getting weak.
shine forever But as long as it's here Then we might as well shine together Never mind the weather Go somewhere and get our minds together Build a love that'll last forever So let's stop the pain Stop the rain Put stress to rest Girl, stop the games Name the spot Mommy, I got the plane Road too rough I got the rain I got some things Known to put rocks and rings Push a hundred foot yachts and things Your man don't play Have you ever been to Sandro Pay Or seen a brother play a mandolay? Girl, I wanna just Look in your eyes and watch the sun rise No more lies, no more tears to cry No more reasons for leaving You I believe in Love you to the day I stop breathing I love you girl Come on inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.